0: Hey, thank you guys. I'm honored to be here. Um, thank you. Uh, I'll give you just a, a small bit of background on me and why uh, the gifts are something I'm super passionate about. Um, so I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, had a, had a Jewish mother and a Mormon father. So you could say that my, my spiritual upbringing was rather confusing. Um, I am a spiritual mutt in every sense of the word. So... <laughs> Uh, I became a Christian when I was about 15 years old, uh, largely because somebody gave me a Bible. Now, I didn't know what a Bible was. I'd never read a Bible, never even read parts of the Bible. Uh, I was completely green. And uh, I remember I was so scared of what my family would think that I would hide it in my desk and wait for everybody to go to bed before I would get it out and I'd start reading. Now, I thought the Bible was a book. That's my son right there. He may cause some distractions, but it's okay because he's my son. Uh, I thought that the Bible was a book of, like, ancient spells and secrets. Um, And uh, so when I started reading, I I didn't have the whole Bible. I just had uh, the Psalms, the Proverbs, and the New Testament. Though at the time, I didn't know that that wasn't the whole Bible. Uh, Someone had to tell me, like, oh, you've only got half the Bible. And I was like, wait, there's more to this? Like, where can I get this more Bible? And uh, (laughs) they took me to the Christian bookstore, and I had to... Pick out my first Bible that was actually the full Bible. But I, I would read in Matthew and I was, uh, I loved it. You know, I loved the supernatural. I loved, um, you know, sci fi and fiction and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. And so to, to read the Bible to me was just like right in the same genre because you, you read about this guy who's like moving in crazy miracles and healings and things like that. And I'm like, I mean, how many chapters of the, of the Bible could you read about Jesus and not see a miracle? I mean, Think about it this way. How many days could you actually walk with Jesus and not see a miracle? Now, most of us claim to be people who walk with Christ but barely ever see miracles. And that was, that was me up until about college. You see, I had to actually go to church to learn that God wasn't doing miracles. Nobody comes to that conclusion on their own. You have to be taught that. And so that's what happened is I, I would uh, lie to my mom and crash my buddy's house on Saturday night just so I could go to church with him on Sunday mornings. And it was there that I learned miracles weren't happening. Uh, but don't worry, God would fix that. Uh, I was a 21-year-old 20, in uh, college. I was doing Young Life um, at Bryan High School near a college station. Uh, had about 12 volunteer leaders under me, and, and our job was to evangelize the youth at Bryan High School. So we would go after the kids that weren't going to church. And I would read in the Bible um, how... You know, it said in Acts, you know, one guy gets healed, and I think either three or four thousand came to know Jesus in one day. I thought, man, that's that's a good model for evangelism. <laughs> like you just see one person get healed, and then that many people come to Christ, and and it was through a series of conversations and and specifically a passage in John nine that really began to shift my understanding of what miracles were all about. Um, I had uh, uh, an experience with the Holy Spirit that would forever shape my life. And after that experience, I knew that God's power was for today. I knew that what I'd been taught about miracles not existing today, that that, that was wrong. And so I was on the hunt. I was checking out every church I could go to, uh, every you know, book you could read about, just to find out how you actually see this stuff happen. Because sincerely, I was thinking, like, Bryan High School had 3,000 students in it. What if I could reach that entire high school with one miracle? You know, one paralyzed person gets up out of a wheelchair and they're healed. Like that, that to me seems like the best way, as far as numbers go, to bring people into the kingdom. Um... So I have this encounter my my senior year of college. Uh, I know that his power is for today, but I have no idea what that looks like. And so I'm visiting all these weird churches, and I remember the first church I went to was this tiny little Pentecostal church uh, located right next door to a halfway house. So uh, this pastor brought in a guest speaker from South America, and this guy's telling you every crazy story you could ever possibly hear. And I mean, he's talking about a guy who didn't have an ear and watched an ear grow back. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy is so full of stuff. <laughs> Not the good stuff. Uh, and so I went up to him right after the service. Now, this was a small church, and this guy didn't have a bodyguard like the other places. So I went right up to him and was like, tell me about this. Like, you keep claiming to see all of these miracles. How come I've never seen one? And he looked at me, and he very plainly stated because you don't pray for the sick. I thought about it. I was like, he's kind of got me on that one. You know, I've never like be healed. Like I've never done that before. So, I I mean, that makes sense. That's biblical, right? You do not have because you do not ask. And so, uh, there was a, a guy from the halfway house next door. He had a, a broken ankle and, uh, He was sitting down on the couch, and so I walked up to him. I said, can I uh, pray for your ankle? He says, sure. Now, realize I've never done this before. I mean, I've prayed for the doctors. I've prayed for the surgeons, you know, like that kind of thing. I mean, you know, that's how we all start out, right? But now I'm like, no, I'm going to do what this guy says, you know, do not have because you do not ask. So I'll just try this out. So he says yes, and I, uh, I, I bend down, I put my hands on his ankle, and I say, "Now again, you never really know how to do this until you actually start doing it. Then all of a sudden, all the scriptural examples start coming to your mind, right? So I say, in Jesus' name, be healed. And then I stood up and I looked at him, I said, get up and walk. <laughs> the guy sat there looking at me like I was crazy. Uh and I felt a little crazy, to be, to be quite honest. I was like sweating profusely, uh, you know, incredibly embarrassed. But so he just looked at me like, huh? And I, so I, I mustered up a little bit more courage. Uh, not much faith, but a little courage. Uh, and I said it again. I said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And then the, the guy just kind of looks at me. He's like, so he stands up and he goes, oh. Ah. And I'm over here thinking, oh, that did not happen. This guy's from the halfway house next door. He's probably just putting on a show and thinking I'll give him some money or something, right? Well, he is telling me that he's completely healed, but I am finding every reason not to believe that he's actually healed. And I left in that same state of being an unbelieving believer. It's like I believed that the scriptures were real, I believe they were authoritative and inspired, but I didn't believe half the stuff in it. You know, when it when it came down to it, I just it was just too hard for me. Um, I just had such a, a skeptic heart. And it's because of everything I'd seen on TV of these telepreachers. And they're always asking for a big donation at the end of it, right? And so I found a way to dismiss every single miracle that I would see for the next two years. And then uh, I, I prayed for this 13-year-old girl. Um, I was at the Amber Rose Conference. If Peter told you his story about when he had that encounter, I was there for that. Um, it was the same conference I was at. Well, I had prayed for a series of people that whole weekend, and I prayed for some of the worst things you can imagine. I uh, prayed for people dying of terminal cancer, prayed for people in wheelchairs, and, and to be honest, I didn't see anything happen. Uh, matter of fact, even the stuff that people would tell me where they were at, they, they would say, yeah, the pain has gone away, I would think to myself, maybe. <laughs> you know, there's no way to really know for sure if it's gone away. You know, I didn't have like a doctor's report to follow up with, and so I'm... I'm at the end of this whole weekend feeling rather defeated, and I pray for this last family that's coming in, just ready to get it over with, and uh, it was a mother with her um, autistic son, and and I'm talking about the kind of autism that was so um, uh, debilitating that the, the child would constantly scream out and fidget, and the mother would have to hold him still the entire time, and she wants me to pray for her son to be healed of autism. Uh, and then her daughter walks in, about 13 years old, and she's got this, uh, this wire headgear that goes sort of outside of her mouth. So, and, and I mean, can you imagine going to middle school with that thing on, and, and she wants me to pray for her jaw. It was a reconstructive thing for her jaw. Now, you got to understand at this point, whatever faith I had is gone. I'm done doing this. I just want to get out of here. So I pray for the son, nothing happens. I pray for the daughter, nothing happens. And so then I sort of haphazardly ask, just to be polite, well, is there anything else I can pray for? And the, the little girl says, well, I have pain in my knee. I said, oh, well, great, let's pray for something else we can't prove. Uh, I'm serious, this was like the, the pitiful state of faith I was in. So I, I put my hands on her, I have her put, her, you know, just sit down, and I put my hands on her knees and I begin to pray. And, but when I prayed, I felt this strange warmth come into my stomach. And also, I began to feel her knees moving under my hand. Now, in, in my mind, you got to understand the, the skepticism I was coming from. I, you know, I ended up becoming a mathematics teacher for five years. So I'm, I'm very, you know, I guess, is it right brain? Is that what that is? Left brain? Whatever the logical brain is. Uh, and so I'm immediately rationalizing anything that could be happening away. And, and here's what I'm thinking. you know, Well, her knees are moving under her hand. Okay, maybe... Maybe what she's doing is she's, she's just moving her feet, and I can feel it in my hands. Like Everybody, put your feet on the ground. Put your hands on your knees, and then start to move your foot a little bit, just a tiny bit. Can you feel it in your hand? Okay, see, that's what I was doing. I was thinking, oh, that's probably what's happening. She's moving her foot or something like that. So I tell her, uh, why don't you check it out? Let's see if we see anything different. So she stands up, and she says, well, you know, I can't really tell unless I'm I'm playing sports. And I'm thinking, of course you can't tell unless you're playing sports. (laughs) And then then she looks down uh, at her feet, and she says, my feet are straight. And then she starts to cry, and she says, my my feet are straight, my feet are straight, my feet are straight. And I look down at her feet. Uh, Now, I see her. Her mom begins to cry, and there's this precious moment that gets exchanged between this mother and this daughter as this mother is telling her daughter to do all these volleyball positions and cheerleading positions. And, and, and there's this whole little moment, I'm sitting down there just dumbstruck because I remembered what that little girl looked like when she walked through the door. She had feet that were turned outward like this. You ever seen someone? I remember thinking to myself, she kind of walks like a duck. That was the thought that went through my head. And now I'm looking down and I see that her feet are completely straight. There was no rationalizing that away. The reason I could feel her knees moving under my hand is because her feet were moving. They were turning inward. The very structure of her her body was changing. And if I had had been aware of it, I would have actually seen it happen. I uh, got into my car that afternoon. And uh, I remember it was this old beat-up S10 blazer. It had uh, the door dented in, and the windows wouldn't roll down, and air conditioner was broken. and I would have to climb in the passenger side door just to get into the driver's side seat. Um, but I remember putting my hands on the steering wheel and, and saying, um, God, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'll do this the rest of my life. And I, I promised them that I would, I would intentionally pray for the sick the rest of my life, whether I saw something or didn't see something. And as, as years have gone by, I've seen significantly more. Uh, I was privileged to be um, under a really great mentor named Jack Deer. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, fired because of the gifts of the Spirit, was trained under John Wimber in the Vineyard Movement, and has written a couple of books and teaches all over the world. And so Jack would take me out with him, and he would talk about the gifts, and he would have me there to help demonstrate. And he would sit there and critique me and teach me how to grow and how to pray for the sick and how to hear God and to prophesy to people. And it was just a fantastic season until we went to, he and I um, parted ways so I could go help start the upper room, but he's still a great friend and I still do a lot of stuff with him today. So that's a bit of my history. Um, Tonight specifically, I'd like to talk to you about three major misconceptions we have about divine healing. And uh, hopefully right after I get through this, and this will be a real quick teaching, uh, but right after I get through this, I want to do some demonstration and some practice. Is everybody down for that? Good. So, three major misconceptions about divine healing. I'm just going to list them off three re- really quickly, and then we're going to go through them one by one. One, Jesus healed entirely, 100%, every single time. That's the first one. Second one, God uses disease to bring us closer to him. Second misconception. Third one. Won't it destroy someone's faith if they're not healed? Now, how many of you have, have wondered or thought one of those three things? Okay, that's, see, that's most of the room. That tells me that this is important. This, is a, this is a common, These are common misconceptions. Uh, let's go with the first one. First off, where does it say in Scripture that Jesus healed absolutely every time? Does it say that anywhere in there? No, that's called an argument made from silence. The things that the scriptures are silent about, we don't want to create doctrines out of those. Um, And in fact, we actually see just the opposite. If you turn to Mark chapter 8, verse 22, turn in your iPhones. It's like, I feel like I'm squinting as I'm looking at all of you. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 says, Then they came to Bethsaida, they brought a blind man to Jesus and asked him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand, brought him outside of the village, then he spit on his eyes. That's an interesting method. He placed his hands on his eyes and he asked, Do you see anything? Regaining his sight, he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Now, question for you. Was the man 100% healed? Nope, doesn't seem so. Now this is Jesus, the Son of God, right? Nod your heads, church. It's good, church. It says, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again for a second time. And he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. How many times did Jesus have to pray for the man? If Jesus had to pray for somebody more than once, what do you think about us? Okay. Now, turn over to Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 5. It says, he was not able to do a miracle there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed because of their unbelief. Isn't that crazy? He could not do many mighty miracles. Now some of you are going, is this in the same Bible? We seem to think of Jesus operating with this perfect power all the time. And it's true in a sense. He was given the Spirit without measure. But that doesn't mean it was instantaneous every time he prayed for somebody. And it doesn't mean he was able to do it. Every single time he wanted to. I don't understand why. I just know that that's what the scripture says. But here's what I do know. And one of the things I want to say, never do this as practitioners of healing. Never blame somebody for their lack of faith for not being healed. I also never see Jesus doing that either. Does that make sense? We don't know why everybody's not healed. And that's not up to us to figure it out. We just are faithful to pray for the sick. Um, and, and here, get this. How much faith does it actually take to be healed? Do you remember the guy who had a son that was demonized? And he comes up to Jesus and says, If you are able, will you pray for my son and he'll be healed? Jesus says, If I am able, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. What happens to the man's boy? He gets healed. How much faith does it take to be healed? Well, just enough to to ask. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about. When you look at Nazareth, the reason why he could do no mighty miracles was because of their unbelief. And this kind of unbelief is the kind where people would not even come to you to receive healing. You know, the funny thing is, and this is the ironic part that I've I've found in the States, more often than not, when I pray for people out on the streets, um, usually the only people to turn me down are Christians. See, most non-Christians haven't been taught that God doesn't heal. It's the Christians who've been taught that. And they're the only ones who are willing to turn Jesus away from healing them. Um, So, let's go on to the next misconception. Oh, actually, you know what? One last little passage. This is Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says, now on... One of those days, while he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting nearby who had come from every village of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Why does Luke make mention that there was power present for Jesus to, to perform miracles? What's the point of that? Unless it implies that there's sometimes... Not power present. Right? Again, I don't understand why. I just know that that's what it says. There are times when there's power present. And, and one of the verses I love to use for that is seek the Lord while he may be found. And power is something you can feel. When I prayed for that little 13 year old girl, I felt warmth come into my stomach. Well, that was power, it was there to perform healing. Even Jesus, when he had people crowding in on him, it says that he felt power leave him. There is times when you can feel power. And you can, it actually literally affects your physical sensations. You'll feel it. And you'll see stuff happen if you act on it, if you let it out. But if you do not ask, you'll never have. Um, second misconception. Here we go. God uses disease to bring us closer. Now, hear me out on this. I'm not saying disease will never be used to bring you closer to God. I wholeheartedly believe that God will use any means that's available to bring you closer to God, closer to Him. For He works all things for good. But, I'm, but, but, but specifically, what I'm trying to address is these people that would say, and you know this one, Well, brother, maybe this is just my thorn in my flesh. Maybe it's just meant to teach me a lesson. Look, how many of you parents out there giving your kids cancer to teach them lessons? Any parents doing that? Okay, no. Right? We wouldn't do that. Okay? So when, when people use that passage, maybe it's just my thorn in my flesh, there's a really interesting thing. This is Paul talking about something that he experienced. Problem is, is when we take that passage, apply it to our circumstance when it's outside of its context. That has a context. Do you know what it is? we'll go to it. First Corinthians or second, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Now just before Paul's going to talk about this thorn in his flesh, he's going to tell about some of uh, a history of some man. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 2. It says, "I know a man in Christ" Who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. That's an interesting passage. In the body, out of the body. He was caught up into the third heaven. That's an interesting place. Sometimes I'm like, how did I used to read this stuff over? Like I just completely glossed over passages like this and never saw this there. In the body, out of the body? Say what? Third heaven? Third heaven? He says, and I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. There he goes again. He was caught up into paradise. He heard things too sacred to be put into words, things that a person is not permitted to speak. Paul is, is talking about this man, right? This guy who has had this sort of trance-like experience, whether he's in the body or out of the body, gets taken up into, into a heavenly place, some sort of realm. Where he hears things that he's not allowed to ever repeat. Now, if you look down at verse 7, just a few verses down from there, here's what it says. Even because of the extraordinary character of the revelations. Who's Paul talking about? He's talking about himself, extraordinary nature of the revelations. Therefore, so that I would not become arrogant. Notice he switches over from the third person to the first person. Therefore, so I would not become arrogant. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to trouble me so that I would not become arrogant. Next time someone tells you, maybe it's just my thorn in my flesh, here's what I want you to ask them. Wait a minute. Were you taken up into the third heaven? Did you, did you hear things that you're not allowed to repeat? Were you in the body or were you out of the body? I, you don't know. Okay, okay, you don't know. I... Do you see what I mean? Do you see how it, out of context it is to call something a thorn in your flesh? That's the context of why Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. But not only that, Paul was an apostle. You know, every time Paul would, would defend his apostle apostle I don't know how you say that his being an apostle apostleship is that right whenever he would defend himself being an apostle you know he wouldn't refer to his miracles though he had many i mean when it came to power paul saw more than most do you know what he pointed to his sufferings the number of times he'd been stranded cold and naked the number of times he'd been whipped the marks of an apostle quite literally were persecutions not the power so next time somebody hands you that business card that says, I'm apostle so-and-so, you're just like, really? Let's we'll see about that. Well, let's, let's just say for the sake of argument that God is dishing out sickness to whoever he chooses to teach them lessons, right? If that's true, why do so many of us go to the doctor? Do you really want to get in the way of God, brother? If he gave you this sickness, then why are you going to the doctor? Aren't you coming up against his will? See, isn't that strange? None of us have any problem going to the nearby CVS to grab some NyQuil for a cold. But yet, when it comes to going to Jesus for healing, he's usually the last resort. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I'm all for going to CVS. You ever heard of that that workout phrase, uh, no pain, no gain? I'm a big fan of no pain, no pain. I, whatever I got to do to get rid of that pain, I'm quite pleased with that. And that's actually biblical, right? Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your frequent stomach ailments. He actually used a natural means to take care of a stomach problem for Timothy. And not only that, but Paul didn't heal everybody every time. Remember, he had to leave behind Trophimus, sick, and Miletus. And that means there were times when even Paul the Apostle couldn't heal people. Okay, secondly, if you're learning so much and growing so much... From your sickness, then why not pray for something worse too? You see, like, it's like you just start taking these things to their logical conclusions and you're going, yeah, that's really a bad way of thinking, right? None of us are going to pray for something worse to happen to ourselves. That's because God's intention when it comes to sickness is not to embrace it as your best friend, but to destroy it as an enemy of God. Third misconception, won't it destroy someone's faith if they're not healed? First off, if you think that, now let's just stop for a second. How many of you have felt that way before? Like if I pray for that person, they don't get healed, it's going to destroy their faith, right? See, this is most of us, right, when we start getting into this stuff, when we start praying for the sick, we're like, I just don't want to mess with their faith. Here's the thing. You claim too much responsibility for your ability to affect God's reputation. God is perfectly capable of taking care of his own reputation. And nowhere in Scripture does he say, don't pray for the sick. If anything, he encourages the opposite. Look, you're not going to be able to take credit for when God does heal, so you can't take credit for when he doesn't unless you're just not praying. And here's the other thing. The majority of times when I've prayed for somebody, whether they've been healed or not, they're always incredibly thankful. Um, my, my, I cut my teeth on, on praying for the sick when I used to work at a restaurant called Snuffers. Anybody ever been to Snuffers? See, the best thing about working for Snuffers was that I could pray for the sick, and I didn't care if I got fired for it. You can always find another job at another restaurant, Right? So I would pray for the sick. I remember um, at one point I started bartending. I know, watch out, careful there. Bartending is a great place to meet unbelievers and pray for them. They tell you all of their problems, then you get to offer miracle-working prayer. Uh, But I I remember I used to have, uh, I had a coworker one time who who was asking me to cover his shift at the bar because he had, you know that machine they used to to make the, the beer glasses like nice and frosty? Well, the machine was like making a loud noise, and so he kicked it to get it to stop, which I don't know who taught him that that would work, but he broke his toe. Uh, so he's asking me, his big toe, he's asking me if I would cover his shift because he's in so much pain. And I was like, well, I, I, I can't cover for you. I, I wish I could. I've got plans already, but I can pray for you. I mean, it, in his mind, he's like, I might as well have given him the finger. And He's thinking to himself, yeah, thanks for nothing. And I said, no, seriously, let me pray for you. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. I said, or maybe the pain could go away. Now, see, here's the thing. When you ask somebody if you can pray for them, they immediately think you want something. Okay, so they think that you're the problem. You're not the problem. The pain is their problem, which is why I said, wouldn't you like the pain to go away? I'm trying to shift his attention to what the real problem is, which is the pain he's experiencing. So he says, okay, let's do this. What do I do? I said, well, just sit down, and I'll come around, and I walked around to the bar and just had him sit down on a chair and put his foot up, and I put my hand on his, on his foot, and I didn't start screaming, in Jesus' name, be healed. I, I'd learned. You didn't have to do that. Uh, by the way, the volume of your voice does not determine power. I don't know where we got that idea. Uh, so I put my hands on his foot, and I said, in Jesus' name, let this bone come into place, be refastened. Now, there's two kinds of prayers that Jesus can offer, right? There's the kind of prayers that go up to God. It's like, oh, God, will you do this? Oh, God, would you, would you reach out to my family member and do X, Y, Z? Now, there's, that's the first kind of prayer. It's a request, right? Well, there's a second kind of prayer that we often miss out on. And these prayers are the ones that come down from God through us. Okay? Now, when Jesus was operating in the second one, what did that sound like? To command, in Jesus' name, be healed. Eyes, be open. Ears, be open. Like, those are the kind of things that Jesus would say. So he's operating on God's behalf to the person. These are the prayers coming from God. So when you pray for the sick, what does that usually look like? Prayers that come from God. Operating in the authority on his behalf as an ambassador of Christ. Right? Right? So I, I say in Jesus' name, let all of this toe come into place, be refastened and made new. In Jesus' name, amen. Simple, sweet. How does it feel? I was like, check it out. See if you notice anything different. He goes, better. I'm not going to lie, dude. You're freaking me out. I said, um, well, God bless you. And I, I left, and uh, you know, the next day I, I see him, and it's like he is avoiding me i turn around the corner, and he'd walk away the other way. And this goes on for about two weeks. He was, like, avoiding me every chance. And I'm thinking, I must have really freaked him out. Um, well, there was this other guy who had, who had broken his hand, um, and I was asking him. He was a coworker, and I was asking him if I could pray for him. He had this big uh, uh, thing around his wrist. And, and he's like, no, it's cool. I'm good. I said, oh, come on, man. Let me pray for you. I mean, God could really do something. Wouldn't you like the pain to go away? Same kind of thing. And uh, then the, guys, the, the guy that I prayed for his foot, his name's Josh. Josh peeks his head around the corner and he goes, no, seriously, dude, you should let him pray for you. <laughs> he goes, I, I broke my toe and it was all black and blue and I went home and it was totally healed. <laughs> now, Josh was an agnostic, but now Josh is, is sharing good news on, on my behalf here. And so the guy lets me pray for him. I actually didn't see him get healed, but um, I, I used to have people from the, from the bars nearby. We always had the cheapest beer. So at the end of the night, everybody would come over to, to, to the bar that I worked at, and they knew who I was. They knew I was the guy that would pray for the sick. So sometimes they would come over just to get prayer for me because they thought it was kind of a cool thing to do. Um, I, I, I thought for sure one of these days I'm going to lose my job, and sure enough, the manager calls me into his office one day. He says, I want you to come up here. And then I, I come up, and he goes, would you close the door? And I'm thinking, oh, no. Here he goes. He goes, um, dude, uh, I've been having this problem in my back. Would you mind praying for me? See, here's the thing. When you're around unbelievers, they don't know that God doesn't heal. Like, And, and you are the best chance of them actually meeting God. And seeing him and experiencing his goodness and and knowing that he actually loves them. And, of course, he'd be willing willing to heal their sick. Right? So, let me see. What else did I have? Any other notes on here? I think that's good. In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul says this. What should you do then, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each one has a song, has a lesson, or or teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all these things be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, wouldn't you like to show up to a meeting and that's what was happening? Where all of the gifts were being expressed? And and the implication here wasn't like just the holy man who has the microphone gets to do those things, right? It's everybody. When you read Ephesians 4, Paul's going to list off five particular offices. He says that these positions in churches are for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. So who, do, who does the work of ministry? Is it those five special giftings or everybody else? You want an argument for your, your friends who don't believe the gifts are still going on today? Right there in Ephesians, it says, For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry until... We all come to the unity of the faith until, now question for you, is the church more unified today than it was 2,000 years ago? No, we got more denominations today than they ever had. It's far less unified. I remember I had somebody telling me that the gifts were dangerous. They they caused disunity in the church. And I go, well, see, that's funny because this says these gifts were made to bring unity to the church until we come to a mature man, to the fullness and measure of Jesus himself. So how long are these gifts supposed to be around? The only time you're ever going to see a completely mature bride is when Jesus returns to, to make us holy and pure, completely. When that last bit of sanctification is needed to, to, to completely remove every spot of sin. That's what's going to happen. Until then, we still get to have fun with the gifts of the Spirit. So, I've got two friends that I've invited here to sort of help me facilitate this time. Uh, this is David Michael Jenkins. You come on up here. Everybody, give him a round of applause. Just, you want to step up here? And this is uh, Ben Rutledge. You guys, give him a round of applause. Uh, now uh, both of these guys they move in the prophetic Uh, David Michael is I mean quite honestly more of a father in this stuff he's been training people how to do this for years Uh, Ben has been serving or has served in our H2 rooms which is our healing and prophecy rooms they call them H2 for healing and hearing like hearing from God I think it's confusing isn't it I'm partly to blame for that Um, uh, well I think it was yeah, yeah some guy with a hat um I'm just going to let let them, I've asked them to pray just to ask the Lord for some words on things he wants to heal. And I'm going to pray as well and just see if the Lord will show me anything. So who wants to go first? Oh, let me say one more thing real quick. I forgot to say this. The, The thing I always tell these guys is I don't care if you get the word wrong. Okay? I can use that to teach. Even people who are experiencing this stuff still get it wrong at times. Okay? What I care is if you don't take a real risk. If you give things that are very vague that we can neither confirm nor deny. Because I want to actually authenticate the stuff that's being taught. And I believe that God wants to authenticate it too. And faith is spelled
1: R-I-S-K. Got it? All right. So who? You want to go for one? Yeah, you can go for it. So is there anybody here named Sam? Do we have a Sam in the house? Sorry if we don't. Um, and does anybody here have chronic sinus issues? Do you have any chronic sinus issues in the house? Got a couple? Um, if you three? I heard that first, and then I, I asked them for the name and decided to go for the risk. so we got one. Okay, keep your hand up if you have kind of chronic sinus stuff. If you're around that person, We're not gonna do that right now. but not yet. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> Never mind. Right now, I just need to get the words. See, I'm trying to learn from this guy, and then...
0: Messing him up. Right. Uh, is uh, someone either... The lady right there with the vest or someone right next to you, do you, have one of you been suffering with TMJ? You, you right there. Okay. Anybody else around her? I oh, got TMJ. Several people, Okay. Anybody in the room have TMJ? We'll just keep going with this because often, if God's healing one thing and He even points it out to me, He usually wants to do it with several in the room. Okay.
2: So, I want to broaden the sinus thing to people with respiratory issues, asthma, any sort of respiratory COPD, any respiratory issues, or, okay, um, if you feel a tightness or restriction in your chest, you know, anything like that. All right. Or, okay, this could also be have a spiritual manifestation of you feel like your spiritual flow, your prophetic flow is restricted. Your spiritual breath is restricted, okay? So if, if any of that applies to you, whenever we go pray for this new ministry for this, stand up. This is your night.
0: So let me do this. If you have TMJ, I want you to come to the front. It's actually a lot of you. That's kind of wild. That's not common. Like, Good night. All of you have TMJ. What is the deal? Okay, here, let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna do this a little bit differently. This is probably not the thing you're used to. You, you know, you normally you see the guy get up there and he lays hands on everybody. I'm not doing that tonight. We're gonna do this slightly different, okay? I want you to come up on the stage. I want you to face outwards to everybody out there, okay? Just trust me. I know I've given you no reason to, but I'm asking to. So, um, I'm gonna ask. I'm going to ask the Lord to give some people in the community a gift of healing. Sound good? And then, uh, and I'll tell you who that person is. All right, but let's just pray. Put your hands out like this, like you're about to receive something. Holy Spirit, uh, would you give gifts of healing? Would you pour out power on every person in this room? Would you give away gifts tonight? Would you, healing, would you come with healing ministry? Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to pay attention. If, if you're feeling either a tingling sensation in your hands or you're feeling uh, heat or, or cold in your hands, like abnormally so, uh, would you raise your hand? Okay, several people. Let me have you do this. Come right up here to the front. I know this is a lot of people, but this will be fun. Believe it or not, I'm kind of making this up as I go. (laughs) I did ask the Lord, like, okay, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to help me because I still don't know what I'm doing. They, They give me a microphone and they think I know what I'm doing, but I don't. Uh, I'm still learning this stuff. Here's what I'd like you to do. Um, one for one. Is it really? Is it really exactly the same amount? Okay, this is too much fun. All right. <laughs> You're going to go and put your hand on their jaws, like actual where the pain is. Ladies, if you don't feel comfortable with someone putting their hand on your face, then just put your hand right here and let them put their hand on your hand. I'm serious, and that's okay. You don't have to let people... Lay hands on you. They can put, you can put your hand there, and they can simply lay their hand on that. Sound good? All right. Just pair up. Now, you guys listen to me when you pray. Remember what I said about the kind of prayers Jesus would offer? Is everybody, there we go. Everybody got somebody? Good. Now, when Jesus prayed, did he, did he say the, Oh, God, would you heal this TMJ? No. Okay, the prayer is coming from God. You're acting on his behalf. Your words, he is going to infuse you with his words as you pray. Got it? All right. Pray. Now let's watch. Most of us have been taught, most of us have been taught that when we pray, we're supposed to close our eyes and bow our heads. How did the disciples report all the miracles they saw if they were praying with everybody with their eyes closed? Didn't happen, right? All right. Short and sweet. Be healed. Jaw. All inflammation. Go. Those kind of things. All right, after you pray for a second or two, have them check it out. See if they, if they notice any difference in the level of pain. If they need more prayer, pray again. Laura, is it all gone? And it's done. It's not doing that anymore. Great. Hey, keep pray again if you need to. Is this fun? It should be. They're gifts. How many of you like to open up gifts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love that. All right. The hard part for me is trying to figure out how to rope them all back in afterwards. Okay. Let's check it out. If you've been healed, I want you to come up here. Or actually, all of you who are praying, go back to your seats. No more prayer. Yeah, you stay. Uh, And just... And this is OK. look, I don't want y'all to manufacture anything. We don't have to pretend like something happened when it didn't. But how many of you noticed a significant difference, if not, completely better? One, two, three, four. Is that right? That's awesome. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we, we'd, we'd never granted, we didn't see everybody healed, and that's what we're going for, but we saw four. Four is a lot better than zero, right? Okay, but here's something else I've learned. In the scriptures it says, freely you've received, freely? Okay. Those of you who have just received healing, I want you to go and pray for the others right now. Go. And yeah, guys, just watch. See, I want you to look to see what the Father is doing, right? It says Jesus only did what he saw his father, what his father was doing. This is what the father's doing right now. We get to watch this happen. David, Michael, I want you to instruct them on how to pray.
2: Okay, so one thing that is really interesting is is you have so many people with Team J in the house. You know, not a big group. And so we think about, all right, it's not just a physical problem. It's a spiritual and or an emotional problem as well. All right, so what's going on? So what's the jaw used for, you know, spiritually, you know, or uh, naturally we chew, we digest our food, right? All right, so, and, and for those of y'all who do dream interpretation or anything like that, we know that the teeth and the jaw relates to wisdom as you're chewing on the meat of the word, right? And then it ingests, so I would, I would guess that this is an attack specifically against wisdom, and your ability to digest spiritual matters that the enemy doesn't want that in you so I would then approach it that way and think alright Holy Spirit right now give them the words you want them to pray for any spiritual or emotional root that's going on in their life or in the house alright so
0: pray again.
2: <laughs> y'all pray again
0: yeah, totally. So I've seen stuff happen where, where um, somebody was healed of an incurable infirmity, but it didn't happen until after they had repented from a particular vow they had made when they were a kid. We were praying for this girl with Raynaud's. How many of you know what Raynaud's are? Okay, a few of you. Raynaud's are an incurable infirmity. It's like you press on your hand like this. You notice that it's white for a second and then changes colors. It comes back. red. Well, people with Raynaud's, it doesn't happen right away. It'll stay white because the, the capillaries restrict the blood of flow to the skin. So as we're praying for this girl, one of my friends says, when you were a kid, do you feel like you, you really disappointed, disappointed your father? Like, is there a particular memory that just sort of stands out to you? And she says, yes. Well, this time when I was like in sixth grade, I brought home a B on a test, and my father was irate. And he goes, did you make a vow, never disappoint your father? She says, yeah. Now, see, God actually is not a perfectionist. And what she made was a perfectionism vow. And she'd been living under that vow her whole life, and it's a vow that she was never meant to live under. So we had her repent from that vow she had made, prayed for her hands again, or for the Raynaud's, and she was healed instantly. Again, incurable infirmity. And she was healed instantly. And so, what he was just pointing out was a spiritual root cause for, for some of this stuff. The enemy attacking people with wisdom, and, and then being able to digest the word. So, ha-
2: okay. Um, so sometimes you've heard the expression, you know, jaw. Y- you know, we set our jaw against something. It's a form of stubbornness. All right. So, I know. all right, We all have it. You, you're welcome. You get to be up front for this, um, but we all have done it have we not and so it could just very well be a a spiritual attack so a spirit of stubbornness has come and has come and wants to afflict you for whatever reason so we just tell that spirit we agree right church spirit of stubbornness go away and release flexibility and return their mouths so that they can speak the truth god that you have for them to speak Now, just curious,
0: did anybody else see any further change as they prayed? You did? One side stopped popping. It used to be both sides. Okay, put your hand on your mouth. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Would you finish that work in her in the name of Jesus? Let that popping stop. As a matter of fact, all of you ladies, if if you still deal with problems in it, go and put your hand on your mouth, and let's just pray as a church. Now, everybody just extend a hand. You don't have to close your eyes. Father, would you extend healing mercy? If there's the spirit of stubbornness, leave, never bother them again. Let the power of that dark thing be broken off of their life. And in Jesus' name, everything come into place. Popping, stop, inflammation, go. Be healed and made whole in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you, got, you ladies can grab a seat and gentlemen. All right, so uh, Ben and David, Michael, gave a few other words. Um, do you want to re- remind us what they were
1: again? Yeah. Do you, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the chronic sinus thing, um, those of you I teased earlier, I apologize. Um, and then another thing, I, does anybody have, this is I'm a little specific, so I'm going to go with it, um, an injury to the right, like, thigh, specifically. I just kind of saw this portion. It may be a knee or hip, but I kind of felt like it was more specific than that, which is kind of would be an odd like right in the, the old leg meat or whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> um, so if is, any, is anybody? Okay, one, two. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? Um, okay, and then the other thing, I, I, I felt like uh, the Lord wants to break off um, like, like kind of tormenting uh, anxieties or torment during the night. That's uh, robbing people of rest and sleep. Um, that may not be so much a physical thing, but I just felt that kind of strongly. So I wanted to put that out there as well. Um, and that's something, I mean, that may be a little personal. I don't know. Um, should we a raise our hand? Is, is,
0: anybody been having night terrors? You can just step out. Yeah. Night terrors over there as well. Okay. Uh, cool. We're going to, I'm going to say something about that in just a minute when we start to pray. And what were the words you gave again? Just a quick reminder.
2: Respiratory issues, COPD, any restriction in the chest, you know, any sp- restriction, you know in your spiritual flow, you feel like. And then I feel like this is a man, guy, dude, um, and you had a head injury, and it's more, more on the top of the head. Anybody that applied to in it, you, you, you still have issues with it. Okay. Right there, in here, all right. And then what about, um, I don't know if it's pain so much, but right between the shoulder blades just feels weird. It just feels weird.
0: Maybe at the end. Um, here's what I want to do. Uh, if, if you've had one of those issues in a second, I want you to stand up and raise your hand. And then those around you are going to pray for you. But I want you to keep your hand raised until someone comes over to pray for you. Does that sound good? Uh, I was getting one other thing. Uh, somebody in here that you've broken an ankle and it never quite healed right. You may have even had surgery on it. Is that somebody right there? Did you have surgery on it and it didn't work? Did you break it again right afterwards? No, I had a Okay. Anybody else with that? All right, again, go ahead and stand up. Put your hand up in the air if one of those things is something you're dealing with. And then those of you around them, I want you to come around them and pray for them, okay? Do not lay hands on them unless they feel comfortable with it. We want to honor people's boundaries. All right, just keep your hand up until somebody's next to you to pray for you. We got two people right here. Someone right there. You got somebody with you. Okay. You got someone right there. You, You can put your hand down once somebody's with you. All right. Church, pray. Lord, extend healing mercy. Let healing mercy come from heaven. Let there come power now to make every wrong thing in their bodies, make it right. Night terrors, go. If <laughs> anybody who's been suffering from night terrors and you did some sort of occult practice like a Ouija board, I forgive you now in the name of Jesus. Let that thing go and never come back. Now keep your eyes open. You don't have to close your eyes when you pray, you guys. You want to see these things change. Check in with them, see how they're doing, see if they need more prayer. All right, check it out. How many of you notice a difference? Raise your hand if you notice a difference right over there. Awesome. Anybody else? All right, let's pray again. Remember, prayer's coming from God. You're commanding things to move. If, If you're not seeing any success, ask the Lord, is there a reason why they're suffering from this? And just listen, see what he says. If you notice a difference, come up here to the front if you're seeing a major change. I know some of these things are hard to test. Let me do this. Let me get those of you in the school of ministry, would you come up here to the very front? I want y'all to be available for people to receive more prayer. And in, in just a second, I'll pray and close this out. And then if you need prayer for anything, they're going to be up here available to pray for you. Uh, oh, yeah, I was. Okay. Tell us what happened real quick.
3: Okay. So I raised my hand because I um, have chronic sinus issues, and um, I was having tons of pressure in my face and in my head, and it pretty much affects me, like, pretty constantly. And so um, anyway, when they were praying, I felt something in my face, and the pressure down in my face lifted. And I'm still having a little bit of pain in my the top of my head. Um, but one thing I did want to say is that as they were praying, I just... Felt like God um, highlighted that I have been, I've like, because I've struggled with sinuses for so long, I have os- often said, like, I just always struggle with my sinuses, and like almost like agreed with that. And so I just felt led to repent for that. And even for saying, like, it's okay, I have a headache, I'm fine, like trying to have a good attitude. But the reality is, it's like, no, it's not fine, it's not okay. And it has to go in Jesus' name. So,
0: it's awesome. I hear. Let's just it. all pain in her head, leave now, never come back. Let the sinus problems never bother her again, in Jesus' name. Now, if you have problems with your sinuses, come get prayer from her. Freely you've received, freely give. Usually when you've received healing for something, you're also given a gift to bring that same healing to others. I've seen that happen multiple times. Uh, I used to have cluster migraines. I was so debilitated with these migraines, and the Lord healed me, and I've prayed for others and seen them get healed, uh, healing from that. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to share? Or no? It's up to you. I'm going to trust you on this. Sure.
2: Never pass up a chance. Yeah. Um, you know, when, what's interesting is if, if you go back to the songs that we sang, Um, there was one specifically mentioned the breath and there was one that specifically mentioned, um, lover your presence. You know, I love that song. I'm just a lover of your presence. And we know that the cherubim, um, you know, on the ark of the covenant, that they were over the mercy seat and we know that they are in heaven in the holiest place of God and they are designed to, uh, protect to, to the holiness of God, literally intimacy with the father. And I feel like that's an issue for some of you that regardless of what you do, um, that connecting with God and intimacy with God is an issue for you. Okay, so if that is an issue for you, I'm just going to pray. Because one thing we know that, you know, when all the fallen angels, when they fell, whatever their assignment was in heaven, a lot of times it's just the reverse. And so there are fallen angels whose purpose is to disrupt and destroy and to block your intimacy with God. Okay, so in the name of Jesus, we call on heaven. We call on heaven and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we love you. We bless you and we desire the ultimate intimacy with you. That's what you designed us to be in the garden just to walk with you, to be intimate with you, to be able to give and to receive love back and forth. And to the extent that any unholy thing is blocking that or interfering with that with any of these people here, we say, get out of the way right now. In the name of Jesus, these people are bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. Therefore they have a right to be intimate with their daddy and with their savior and with their indweller. So Just go, in Jesus' name, don't return. And Holy Spirit, you whack those people tonight. One way or another. One way or another. When they wake up in the morning, they will know that things are different.
0: I'm going to pray and close this out, and I think we'll be done for the evening. And I'll stick around and and answer questions and that kind of thing. Um, Everybody just put your hands out again. Father, you said that if you've been faithful with a little, more will be given. So everybody was really faithful, was stepping out in prayer to, to heal the sick. So would you give them more power, more gifts of healing, um, more prophetic words and words of knowledge, words of wisdom, revelations, tongues, interpretation, every gift, would you pour out your spirit again? We pray this in Jesus' name. Now, Father, would you also help us to be practitioners of these things with the unbelieving world around us? Let us be ambassadors that really know how to operate with heavenly resources. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Guys, it was a real honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, well, Michael, that was
1: amazing. Thank you for pouring into us. Team, that was awesome.
0: The School of Ministry will be up here if you'd like prayer or prophetic ministry. There's something particular related to healing. They'd love to pray and minister to you. We'll turn some worship music on. Feel free to stay or feel free to go into the lobby. If you want to have a conversation, I would ask that you go in the lobby so these guys can minister up here God bless
1: you